don't cross the streams and welcome to episode 39 of large popcorn this is a space where friends gather around to have elevated and comfortable discussions about all things film in the least pretentious way possible for those of you who don't know me i'm your host christian macias and alongside me today a filmmaker local funny man and pop culture freak aaron roots sender how are you doing today i'm good man how are you doing Doing well, thank you. Talk to me a little bit about this filmmaker business. I am quite curious about this. Okay, so filmmaker is a very loose term, obviously. I just make ridiculous videos with my friends. We want to make bigger stuff. Uh, we're working up to it, but, you know, with the pandemic and everything, a lot of stuff has been kind of put on hold, but, you know, we're just doing our best. Sure. You got some exciting stuff in the pipeline you're working on? Yes, we have we have some ideas. I don't think we're necessarily ready to talk about them yet, but sure. we have like a couple of fan films and just a couple of original ideas that we're kicking around and trying to flesh out a little bit more. That's awesome. I can't wait to see more when when you're ready to share. So I'm, I'm going to peep the Twitter here. Um, uh, like keep an eye on it as we move along the rest of the year yeah. into next year. That's awesome. Folks, remember that each week a new episode of Large Popcorn goes live where I and a guest talk about the latest in cinema world news as well as anything and everything movies. If you like what you hear, please give us a sub on your favorite podcast service of choice. And remember to leave a review because that does indeed help us out. If you have any questions, please DM them directly to at Large Popcorn Pod. We'll get those answered for you. Uh, and remember that a new episode goes live every single Tuesday. So we sincerely hope that you stick around. Oh, and also, I always forget to add this in the in the show notes here in the beginning. We do have uh, listener voicemails now. I didn't put out the call this week. I forgot to. But yeah, you can do so via SpeakPipe at SpeakPipe.com slash Large Popcorn. Throw in those questions at us. It's always a th- uh, good time. And as always, all the resources and items we discuss in today's show will be down in the show notes below. So feel free to give that a gander at your leisure. For now, Aaron, let's get into our first short segment of the day. I think our only short segment with Real Roundup. Of course, this is uh, our, our new movie news. Today, we're doing one big segment, as always, as we do at the end of the month. Um we're going to go over the October release dates because this is quite possibly the most stacked month of the year and of recent memory than I can remember. Like, there is some bangers this month. Let's check it out here. I got, I'm got i pulling from IMDb uh, the October 2021 releases, starting with October 1st, that first Friday. Two movies that, that day. One is The Many Saints of Newark, and the other is... Tita, uh, the French movie by Julia uh, Ducarnu. Uh, you may know her. Uh, who She directed Raw. You ever, you ever watch Raw? No, I haven't. Uh, I have seen the trailer for this upcoming film, and it looks insane. And I, I, I think I'm going to check it out. Uh, Many Saints in Newark, I have not watched Sopranos yet. But I'm thinking I could probably just watch this first since it's a prequel and then watch Sopranos afterwards. I feel like you would have to watch Sopranos first. I feel like that's the move everyone's I, doing right now. That That's what I want to do. But if for whatever reason I can't get to it before then, you know, I mean, it's probably going to have like references and stuff for, for yeah. hardcore fans. Do you know how many seasons Sopranos is? Is it a lot? Oh, man. Let's find I out. Wanna, I, I want to say it's like maybe maybe seven. Close. It's six seasons. HBO, oh my god, with 21 episodes, looks like, in the sixth season. Six seasons in a movie, they did it first. <laughs> oh, a community fan, huh? Oh yeah, absolutely. 
I never watched it when it shifted over to Yahoo. It was good. I, I, I still don't think I saw like a bad episode of that show. Obviously, season four was like a little bit of a dip, but I still yeah. liked it. You have a favorite episode of Community? Um, I mean, the multiple timelines episode is probably like the greatest episode. Yeah. But like the paintball ones are also very fun. That's the, that's like the classics one that everyone brings up, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, bringing it back to uh, to town for a second, I, I, I put this in here mostly to get everyone to watch Raw because I watched that the other day to get prepped for this movie. And I had the most visceral reaction I've ever seen watching a film in my entire life. Really? Yeah, dude. I don't want to spoil it. But, put that on the list. Yeah. Uh, for for those that don't know, the premise of Raw is that um, it's a Belgian movie. So it's, of course, subtitled. Um, there's a student who is going into her first year of university. Her whole family is vegetarian. And uh, it's like a, a vet school. So everyone's there to to learn about like veterinarian stuff. And like the all the freshmen get hazed. And so part of her hazing is that she has to eat raw meat. And suddenly, like, she starts realizing that she has, like, a growing taste for uh, not just meat, but, like, raw meat. And, like, yeah, the the way that kind of um, unveils and, and like, uh, it's insane. It's It's got, like, a there's, a, like, a sequence, like, 45 minutes in that I literally was, like, running around my house. Uh, and then I filmed my reaction and posted it on Twitter because it was absolutely oh, insane. Cool. So, yeah, please watch Raw. And, Will uh, do. Watch Tata. Moving on, the next week, we've got three movies coming out that day on October 8th. Uh, Daniel Craig, of course, returning his Bond, his last Bond in No Time to Die. We've got another A24 banger coming out, I'm sure, with Lamb. And then I threw in The Rescue, which I don't remember which movie this is. I don't know if I've heard of that one. Lamb looks nuts. I've seen the trailer for that movie a couple of times, just seeing things lately. And that it looks so bizarre. I I, I, I I feel like I have to go watch it. Dude, that's that's the appeal for A24 movies, you know? Just like, let's find out how absurd this movie's going to be. And, like, they're usually good. You know what I mean? Man, like, A24 usually for me is, like, pretty hit or miss. I can 100% admit they are very well-made movies. Mm-hmm. They're just, like, for me, I'm just, like, I uh, like Uncut Gems. My best friend loves Uncut Gems. It's his favorite movie. Like, he, he swears up and down that it's, like, the greatest thing ever made. Very well-made movie. I can never watch that movie again. I was so stressed out. Granted, yeah. when we went and saw that, we went and saw Rise of Skywalker afterwards, and I was just, eh, nope, no thanks. Was that a uh, double feature for you guys? Uh, Uncut Gems yeah. and then Rise What a, oh because, my God. Because I wanted, to, I wanted to go see the new Star Wars movie, and everybody was like, okay, but I want to see Uncut Gems also. And I'm like, fine, let's do both. And then, yeah, we, we saw Uncut Gems first, and then we saw Rise of Skywalker. And, guys- uh are insane i would yeah. after uncut gems i needed to go like do something else literally anything else well our original plan was we were going to see rise of skywalker first but the show times got all like mixed up so uh, we, we did it the opposite did you enjoy either of them uh so like i said uncut gems i can admit is a very well-made movie uh but like i just i can't it was so stressful like I, I, but it's not a bad movie it's just Absolutely. i'm not gonna watch it again uh rise of skywalker i was not a big fan of and that's a whole other can of worms that i could talk about another time but uh you know what you mentioned Um, it so i'm gonna throw in a quick question at you so every now and then we would do like a a a hot seat segment we're not gonna do it today but i'm gonna throw one question at you okay you ready yeah the last jedi good or bad it's okay 
All right. Well, it's been fun, Aaron. <laughs> the Last Jedi is a good movie. All the right. More and the sooner we all that, realize it, the better. When I first saw it, I was like, I don't know how to feel about this. And the more I thought about it, the less I like it. It's still better than Rise of Skywalker, but. You know, that's kind of like comparing, oh, I had diarrhea for an hour as opposed to I had oh food poisoning all night. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I mean, like, there's there's a lot of stuff to like in Last Jedi, but there's also a lot of stuff where I'm just like, eh, but, you know, if you like it, no hate. Like, that's sure. that's cool. Okay. I can get behind that. I respect that. Absolutely. Um, no Time to Die. Are you excited for this movie? Yes. I need to rewatch all the other ones. Uh, for like these big like franchise movies that have been coming out this year, uh, some friends and I have been rewatching them. Like my buddy Jordan and I rewatched all the Fast and the Furious movies before Fast Nine came out. Nice. Rewatch all of the movies in the series that we're going to cover today before the new one comes out, and I'm going to rewatch all the Bond movies before No Time to Die comes out. Daniel Craig is a very good James Bond, and absolutely most of his movies have been very good i still haven't seen specter yet so i gotta watch that one also oh that's like i think probably my second favorite so nice. I'm, I'm excited for you to watch that i i yeah I'm, I'm pumped daniel craig posted a video on twitter i think yesterday or two days ago uh or maybe it wasn't daniel craig but it was a video of daniel craig like saying goodbye to all the cast and crew members on the last oh, day yeah of, i i saw yeah. that was posted on twitter yesterday i haven't checked it out yet that video it, like i saw it and i was like you know what yeah, I'm absolutely going to rewatch all the Bond movies, all the Craig Bond movies before No Time to Die comes out because those movies are so good. Yeah, dude. He's he's a really good James Bond. Like the opening of Casino Royale is yes. like so awesome. I that's like <laughs> that's why I'm so excited to rewatch these. Casino Royale like objectively fucks. It's such a good movie. Yeah, dude. It bangs real hard. Mm. I looked it up while we were talking and I remembered what the rescue is. I just forgot the name of it. Uh, of course, the rescue is a Nat Geo documentary directed by Jimmy Chin and Elizabeth Vassar, uh, Vassar Heli, Heli, having a trouble pronouncing your last name. Um, most famously, uh, co-directed those two, um, Free Solo, if you watch Free Solo. Oh, okay. Have you seen Free Solo? I have not seen Free Solo. I know of Free Solo. That's the rock climbing movie that like Jason Momoa is in, right? No, Jason Momoa. Or maybe he was, maybe he was like, because I, I think he was in the documentary, or at least talked to the guy who was in the documentary. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. If you can find that, let me know. But Jason Momoa is not in it. Maybe, he, maybe he talked about it on on some kind of press tour or something. The, I don't know. But Resolo is the documentary where the guy like rock climbs, but he doesn't use like any like ropes or yeah, equipment or absolutely. anything like that. That's crazy. It's like one of my top documentaries ever. That movie is absolutely insane. So I'm excited to see them uh, kind of do this again, but underwater. It's, it's just, from yeah. what I've heard, it just debuted at, at TIFF not too long ago, and okay. uh, it's a very tense movie as well, The Rescue, so I'm pumped for it as well. Moving on, Aaron, we've got four movies coming out on one day, October 15th. Halloween Kills, a sequel to the uh, original Halloween and then the, I think, 2016, 2018 Halloween 20... movie? 2018, is that right? I think so. Yep. Uh, we've got The Last Duel another tiff movie and then bergman island just debuted at tiff as well and then lastly thank you for including this in here venom let there be carnage and i think the the fans want to know are you excited for venom no (laughs) (laughs) yes yes and no uh i did not like the last venom movie like you know besides that amazing eminem song we got out of it 
you know, it just it didn't really do much. I'm for sorry. Me. There's like, an Eminem song in the first Venom. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's oh my god. It's really bad actually, but it's it's a good meme because uh, Eminem is just like rapping about Venom, and it's very strange, but it's really cool. But yeah, like Woody Harrelson, I feel like would have been a really good carnage like maybe 10 or 15 years ago but i i just think that all the goofy decisions they're making with it is like not my bag and you know like i i could be wrong like i mean obviously there's people who really love the first venom movie not taking anything away from them but it didn't really do anything for me and all of the trailers for the new one just don't look good to me that being said i've heard a couple of things about the movie like i heard what the after credit scene is which i won't disclose here because i don't want to ruin it for anybody but I'm just very concerned as to where things are going to go, but I might skip it. That's true, because the, the post credit scene leaked on Twitter just uh, a few days ago. Is that right? Yeah. That, that's always a bummer. When, yeah. When, yeah. And, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, they, they did a fan screening, and Tom Hardy was like, please don't tell anyone what you saw or what's, like, in the credits or anything. And, of course, people are like... I'm not going to let some Hollywood guy tell me what to do. So they'll type it up and they'll post it online and everyone will see it and spread it around, which is a big bummer. Yeah, absolutely. What are your, what are your thoughts on Tom Hardy? Who I, or I guess just like the internet in general or even Sony to that matter is like really trying to push this idea of, of Spider-Man and Venom, like coexisting in the same, Dude, in the same. It's, it's, it's all Aviarad. Avia Rad was the reason why Venom was pushed on Sam Raimi for Spider-Man 3. Avia Rad is mm. so obsessed with Venom, and I don't know why. Venom is an awesome character. Venom is one of my all-time favorite Spider-Man characters. But Avia Rad, for some reason, is like, let's throw Venom in this movie. And it's like, dude, this is this is some random like romantic comedy. Why do you want Venom in here? But he 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 keeps pushing it, and I don't know why. Like, and he he just wants more. Like, he wanted a solo yeah. Venom movie so bad. They wanted to do it, like, back in, like, the early 2000s. And he's just been pushing and pushing and pushing. Sam Raimi didn't necessarily get the character, so he didn't want to use it. But then they're like, nah, just do it. The fans will love it. And he's like, okay. And then that kind of worked out not to their favor. Uh, yeah. Then they made Venom. It made a lot of money. But critically, it wasn't, like, very well, like, received. So they're like, oh, well, we made enough money. Let's make a sequel. And now they're probably going to, like, try and rope it in because they own part of the rights for Spider-Man, like, with the MCU stuff. So they're like, oh, well, maybe we can start throwing all this stuff in retroactively. Maybe we can have Vulture be in, Mo- in Morbius and then just kind of, like, backdoor. I don't know if they have permission to do that. I don't know if they care. But it's just, it's it's kind of a mess. There's too many cooks in that kitchen. I think, yeah, beautiful way to describe it. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, absolutely. Well... We'll we'll let you know if we watch Venom here at, at Large Popcorn. I I, I kind of doubt it. Um, and I, the the last duel was the Ridley Scott movie uh, that's coming out this year with uh, Adam Driver, Ben Affleck, and Matt Damon. Uh, oh then, right, yeah. And then Bergman Island was the movie with uh, with Tim Roth. Uh, it's a small indie flick that just debuted at TIFF. And I I, th- I think I mentioned that, but I just wanted to hammer that in for for the listeners at home. Uh, moving on to October 22nd, two huge movies on this date. We've got Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch finally coming out after being delayed for over a year. And then, of course, Denis Villeneuve's sci-fi epic uh, Dune 
do technically Dune Part One, but we'll see if HBO wants to greenlight a sequel after after its release. Aaron, are you excited for either of these? So, uh, Dune, I'm like going out of my way to not watch anything for it. I I Same. saw the first teaser trailer, and then after that, nothing. So I wanna I wanna go in blind and I wanna see it. I haven't even seen the original Dune movie or read the book, so I wanna go in completely fresh and just experience this whole thing for the first time. I read the book uh, I think at this point 2 years ago now. So I'm I'm very curious to see what your reaction will be post Vilney's Dune. I mean I hope it's good. Right? Yeah, like, it's got a great cast. Yeah. Um and then uh, to to your comment, I also only watched the first teaser. I I mean technically I'm lying because I when I went to go watch Tenant, I watched Tenant in theaters because there was like a a theater here that was showing it in IMAX and it was like um they were doing like a covid free or not covid free like covid friendly screening where it was like um socially distanced and masked at that time mm -hmm. and uh they played a dune like snippet from the movie from like the uh, the opening not the actual like opening scene but like part of the beginning of it and right. uh it fucks so i am very excited to watch and uh, watch the rest cool. I, yeah i mean we love Villeneuve here at the at the podcast so yeah very excited how about how about very the french excited. dispatch uh, don't know a whole lot about the French Dispatch. Have not really seen anything for that one. But it's Wes Anderson, you know, like from the 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 couple of Wes Anderson movies I've seen, you know, I like I like his style for the most part. So mm -hmm. I'll check it out. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, those movies are usually just like a pretty good time, even if it's mm -hmm. like not like the best thing in the world. It's usually a pretty fun movie anyway. So that, yeah. that's all that's all I'm expecting for the French Dispatch for me. Sure. Also, like two Timothy Chalamet movies on the same day amazing and that guy's gonna be laughing all the way to the bank that weekend i'm guessing yeah dude there was a picture that there was a picture that i retweeted on on the podcast twitter not like just the other day at this point um of timothy chalamet and larry david having lunch together and that tweet oh, was yeah, made I just for that. me amazing <laughs> uh and then moving on to the last uh friday of the month october 29th uh a little spooky movies here for you I mean, I guess I'll start off with the non-spooky movie. My Hero Academia World Heroes Mission finally gets a release date here in the USA. You can all watch that and enjoy it, I'm sure. And then two, sp two spooky movies, uh, Antlers coming out finally. And then uh, Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho with uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah, Last Night in Soho is another one that I'm not watching. Like, I have not seen any trailers for. I'm not going to watch any trailers for Last Night in Soho because I want to, like... Like all the neon and stuff that I've seen from like pictures and stuff, and I love Edgar Wright, so I want to go in absolutely blind on this one. What's uh, what's your favorite Edgar Wright movie? Um, oh man, uh, probably. I mean Scott Pilgrim, but I also really like Hot Fuzz a lot. There we go. Finally, some Hot Fuzz respect. I love that movie. It's so good. Yeah, dude, it's so good. it's the best of the Cornetto trilogy in my opinion. Like, no disrespect to Shaun of the Dead because it's incredible, but. Hot Fuzz is just so so funny. You know what? I haven't seen a what is it? World World's End. World's End is okay. I mean, it, they 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 switched up the like kind of roles where like usually you'd get Nick Frost as like the silly character and Simon Pegg is kind of like the straight lace guy, mm -hmm. but they swapped it for that one. And it's just the the plot's not all the way there, but you know it's it's okay if you want to finish out the trilogy then definitely give it a watch but it's it's the weakest of the three in my opinion gotcha okay yeah last night in soho should should be a good time i have a friend buddy friend of the show uh jeff ulrich aka good game grizz 
who loves Edgar Wright's his favorite director, but he doesn't like scary movies, so he's like, I know this one's supposed to be like a little creepy, so. Okay. It's kind of scary to cool. watch it, yeah. Should be a good time, though. And then Antlers. Should be cool. Yeah. Antlers looks wild. Although I haven't seen any trailers for Antlers. I just usually get sold on on like the team behind the movie, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my buddy Matt, who's like super into movies like that, like he watches like horror movies like all the time he's like you guys we have to go watch antlers see i would watch more horror movies if i had like a crew of friends to go with that's why i refused yeah. i refused to watch Candyman by myself mm-hmm. so i didn't go see it yeah. did you watch Candyman? no not yet i had uh i'm i'm so Candyman is like i think in like my perfect wheelhouse because like i'm not a big like horror movie guy but i love like the icon slasher movies like nightmare on elm street and friday the 13th are my jam i love those they're super ridiculous and weird, but like that, so am I. So who cares? <laughs> um, but yeah, Candyman looked cool, um, but I haven't I haven't checked it out yet. I want to rewatch the original before I see it. Yeah, I, I would too. Absolutely. And I think I forgot to mention as well, uh, Halloween Kills is coming to I think HBO Max. So if you have a subscription, you don't have to go uh, to the movie it's theaters. Peacock, I think. Oh, I think okay. Thank you. Thank you for that correction. Yeah. Which will, no will be nice for me to uh, get to watch like a horror movie, not, you know what I mean? Like I don't I have to go to theaters to to brave the the spooky yeah. experience. If but. it gets real scary, you can like turn the volume down and like you know use the cheat codes. No, no, no. I I always keep the headphones on during movies, but what I'll do is I'll turn on the kitchen light. That's that's my go-to oh, okay. move. Yeah. I want to throw in one last question at you before we even go to the topic of the show. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Do you have a favorite? Uh, like, what's your number one movie that you've seen in twenty twenty one? What's your 2021 best movie? I'm, I cannot phrase this question correctly. Um. Well, it's not Space Jam. I can tell you that. Oh, dude. Um, yeah, absolutely not. Man, I keep forgetting. Like, what's come out this year? Um. I'm pulling I really like right Suicide now. Squad. I thought that was really fun. Um. And you know, I saw Shang Chi a couple of weeks ago, and that was really cool. Absolutely. Um. But. You know, like I, I'm trying to remember because like the years, like 2020 and 2021, like blend together. So I can't exactly remember like what came out this year. Case in point, um, the Zack Snyder, Zack Snyder's Justice League was this year. Oh kind of, yeah, kind of insane to think about. Yeah, I loved that. That was really cool. Did you watch the Green Knight? I did see the Green Knight. So that's in my top five. We all we all know the number one movie should be Neon Genesis Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.01. Let's let's be honest. I I uh, I was listening to your guys' Matrix episode and I heard you guys talking about that. Dude, it's not it's not a large popcorn podcast if Neon Genesis doesn't make its way to the show in some in some fashion. I'm waiting for the episode where it's not talked about at all, and then the episode ends, and then it's just your voice going Neon Genesis Evangelion, and then it ends. You know what I'm gonna, you, Aaron? You just inspired me. Usually we we end with a tagline here, and I've been slowly adding to that tagline i'm gonna have oh. to introduce neon genesis into that tagline we'll, we'll figure it out we'll figure it out all right sounds like a plan until then folks that is it for real roundup if we missed anything feel free to shout at us over on twitter and if any other big news breaks stick around because we may just talk about it on our next episode uh shout out to also i just looked on twitter real quick shout out to uh jennifer's body we just did an episode on that not too long ago it's its 12th anniversary today and people wow, revisiting that, that movie old right 12 years ago what the, what yeah, the fuck is time dude ever ago man yeah, i was I like 
about to be a senior in high school, I think. Are we, are we, we're like very similar ages then. Yeah, I'm 29. Used to be older than me. Just, just by a bit. Okay. Just by okay. a bit. Now let's see what's on the marquee with today's topic of the show. The original Ghostbusters. Aaron, do me a favor here and, and read me the storyline. You got it. They ain't afraid of no ghost. After losing their academic posts at a prestigious university, a team of parapsychologists goes into business as proton pack-toting ghostbusters who, exter who exterminate ghouls, hobgoblins, and supernatural pests of all stripes. An ad campaign pays off when a knockout cellist hires the squad to purge her swanky digs of demons that appear to be living in her refrigerator. <laughs> Who wrote this? Uh, I guess synopsis, storyline of the movie. A swanky digs of demons. Amazing. Of course, Ghostbusters released in 1984, directed by Ivan Reitman, written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Uh, rest in peace, Harold Ramis, as well. R.I.P. I always start the questions uh, for the topic of the show with a discussion of what the personal history is with Ghostbusters. So, Aaron, I want to know what your personal history is with the GBs. So, uh, I first saw Ghostbusters. I can't remember what age I was, but I was very young. My uncle Jason, who is like the biggest conduit of like nerdy stuff in my family, my mom's brother, uh, got me a like a, a a disc of it, like a DVD. And he's like, hey, this is a really good movie. You should watch it. You'll love it. And I watched Ghostbusters. And it also had Ghostbusters 2. And I would watch those constantly. And I fell in love with it. I thought it was really great. I thought the uh, the puppets for the ghosts and the practical effects looked really, really great. The proton packs, immediately, I was like, I want one. I need that. I want that toy. Uh, and yeah, I just, I fell in love with it. And then also seeing the cartoons like real Ghostbusters on reruns and extreme mm -hmm. Ghostbusters. I was like, yep, more of this, please. Thank you. You know what? Everyone always admits this, omits this. And I don't know why. Why does no one ever talk about the PS3 Ghostbusters game? So I haven't played it yet. I just got it on the Epic game store a couple of days ago for like <laughs> six bucks. No and Oh, excited to play it. It actually wasn't that bad. I actually had a lot of fun with it. There's like a whole library yeah, scene in it that was uh, actually kind of scary adjacent. So quite like yeah, the movie, actually. Yeah. Let I'm me very, know. Very, very, very excited to play it. Yeah. Let, let me know what you think as you as you play it. I'm, I'm very curious. Will do. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. You, you were introduced to it so young. I think I came up on it just a little bit older than you. Like I was, I think, maybe in middle school or maybe even early high school. And I, and I, it, it's like always, always cool to watch movies like this with my cousins. And like that's how I did it. So like watching eighties movies with them and like specifically eighties movies was always a good time. So for the longest time I was like, yeah, Ghostbusters rules because of that yeah, experience dude. of watching it with people. But now as I rewatch it as an adult, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Really? Yeah. But we'll get into it. Cause there's a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that I do still love about it. Um, my next question is, has this movie aged well? And I think you answered part of what I want to talk into is that some of these effects still look really good. The ghost yeah, scene man. in the beginning still looks yeah. fantastic. Incredible. Like, obviously, there's a couple of things that's like kind of like could easily be fixed if they wanted to do like a like they wanted to go back in and like retouch some stuff like um, there's parts where like you'll see the uh, gargoyle of like the terror dog head on top of the 
uh, on top of Dana's apartment building. It's like superimposed in there because they didn't actually make it, I guess. But you'll see like uh, traffic driving underneath, and you'll see that like it was superimposed because you can kind of see a transparent like taxi cab driving through it. Oh, but, gotcha. Like, that could easily be fixed, but you know some of that. But like overall incredible like special effects and it's just it's still really funny like it, it it's it's just like kind of a master class with comedy stuff because like you like the dialogue is so funny but then you'll notice things in the background like the scene where they're in the hotel and they shoot the proton streams at the poor woman cleaning the hotel uh <laughs> yes uh Pete turns around and talks to Ray and he goes, well, that's a successful test. And there's just a, like, open flame on the floor of the apartment building. And the maid, like, takes the spray bottle and starts spraying the open flame. And I never noticed that before. And I thought that was so funny. Yeah, I mean, to that point, too, because I think a lot of the the comedic moments for me that hit well are those moments, like you just mentioned, where it's not so obvious. Like that, mm-hmm. that, that is funny. Like that line alone where like, yeah, a successful test. That, that's funny because like they never have tested. Like this is the first time they're using this equipment. Yeah. Or even like when they're in the elevator and they turn on um, Ray's proton pack for the first time and they kind of back up slowly. Like it's not uh, focused starts, like, on. Yeah. Away. Yeah. Or um, when Peter goes and talks to Dana, who's with the like musician guy. And then he start like they make a, a date for like that Thursday and Peter starts walking away and he sees a guy on rollerblades yes. spinning around with his arms out and then he starts he sees him and then starts spinning and it's just it Bill Murray's brain is so crazy. I love it. Okay, I'm glad you brought this up because I one I had that moment like listed in my little personal notes as something I wanted to bring up. Or if I don't have it as I wanted to talk about it. It's just um Bill Murray being Bill Murray, right? Yeah. Which I think for most of the time works so well. Yeah, right? absolutely. But there's something about it in this movie where I don't love it. So I wanted to ask you what your thoughts uh, are on Bill Murray as as Bankman. Yeah, uh I I love Bill Murray. Uh he's he's very very great in this movie. Uh I think he plays the role of Peter Bankman very well. However, uh and this kind of ropes back into your question on if the movie's aged well. Peter Bankman is kind of a horrible person. Like, yeah. <laughs> he, like, we love him, he's great, he's super funny, he's the mouth of the Ghostbusters, but also, like, he's real, like, scummy, and mm-hmm. he's, like, really, like, he's just trying to get laid all the time, and, like, this Aren't is we the all, note. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, <laughs> no comment, but, like, it, it, some some of the things that he'll do in the movie are just so weird, like, first of all, big moment. Why did he have a sedative on him when he went to Dana's apartment? After he gives her the sedative, he's like, all right, baby, I'm sorry, I got to go to work. And then he kisses her hand and then he kisses her on the neck. Why would he do that? That's kind of fucking creepy. But it was the 80s, man. Like that was that was in vogue. Right. Yeah, that goes back into the has the movie aged well. The movie itself has aged well. Some of those moments are kind of a little problematic. But yeah. Bill Murray's fantastic. It's just some of the things that that character did looking at it retroactively are kind of not cool. Yeah, and that's the thing I've been trying to satisfy is that, like, I do love Bill Murray's performance. I think he plays that, like, kind of the asshole role as Venkman, like, exceptionally well. And, like, it, it is funny, and it's, like, a little slapsticky at times. Um, 
it's convincing but it like almost gets in the way of the other characters i feel like i, I want to know more about um ray and egon but i feel like vankman is such like a, a prominent presence when he's around everyone else that i don't get enough of the other guys and like i want more of them if that makes sense yeah they give him they give him more to do because you know dana is the main like character who has a problem i guess and so peter's like oh beautiful woman i'm in (laughs) we'll figure this out i'm gonna go in figure out what we gotta do and then i'm gonna let ray and egon winston do the rest how do you feel about Sigourney Weaver in this movie, by the way? Because I wrote down in my notes that I feel like she's underutilized. Oh, yeah, she's underutilized, but she's fantastic. Sigourney Weaver is amazing in everything she's in. Absolutely. Shout out to Alien. Yeah, for real. Duh. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I wanted more of her than just to get possessed and just, yeah. like, hang out in her apartment. But they're and get the, creep on by Vankman. Yeah, absolutely. But then there's also like that very sweet scene, like you mentioned earlier, when they're like she just had a, a performance. She's a cellist, right? And she's mm-hmm. like hanging outside, and like it's just Bill Murray and and um, and Dana talking, and like that scene rocks. And like I kind of wanted more of that. Yeah, and and the scenes with her and Lewis are really great uh, because God bless Lewis. <laughs> he's he's oh trying so hard, Rick and Moranis, she's trying so dude. hard not to be mean like but i mean we all know somebody like that who you're just like hey man how's it going but like you don't you don't want to be rude dude that's hilarious yeah i used to have a neighbor not quite that extent but i'd see him like in we have like a shared laundry space and he'd be in there and mm-hmm. I, I would have to get back and like to my apartment and like i would be in the middle of something and all he wanted to do was just like talk yeah it's, like, oh, it's kind of hard to like you know stand there and talk to him but yeah rick moranis is, as lewis is like freaking fantastic and i love the fact that he threw this huge party and i was like oh cool he's got friends i forgot about this and like everyone there is just basically clients of lewis yeah he's using the whole thing as a tax write-off that's why he invited yeah. clients instead of friends that's freaking hilarious dude like absolutely i almost yeah. forgot about him so so yeah rick moranis is so good in this movie he plays the character so well john candy originally was going to play that part like they offered that to him oh Um, but he wanted he wanted to play that role like he didn't entirely get it he wanted to play the role with like a german accent and have like really big like doberman dogs but then dan Aykroyd and everybody was like "Eh, i don't think this is gonna fit so candy's like okay no problem and then he backed out and then they sent it to rick moranis and rick moranis called back he read the script and he's like Tell John Candy thank you because like this is the gr- like one of the greatest like roles I've ever read. Like I'm so excited to do this. So shout out, shout out for taking like not taking the role, but also just shout out in general to John Candy. Yeah, incredibly funny dude as well. I wanted to. I mean, you mentioned it right now. I'll just I'll I'll talk about it now. Uh, Dan Aykroyd and um and Harold Ramis writing. That's got to yeah. be like one of like the most insane things of the 80s like to have a movie written this i mean whether it holds up or not i think is a separate discussion the fact that it like Mm -hmm. became like what feels like almost an instant classic is such like a huge i don't know like it it, i'm almost at a loss for words no movies are like this this big you know this like resonant in, in pop culture the way like ghostbusters kind of is and that's kind of insane to think about you know mm-hmm. yeah definitely uh i i think this script was a 40 page i think treatment that dan Aykroyd did because his family is very much deep rooted in 
like paranormal and stuff like that because they all they all believe that stuff. And uh, then he did that, and then him and Harold Ramis wrote the script for it. And I think while they were in the middle of writing the script, they had John Belushi in mind to be in the movie. And while they were writing the script, John Belushi passed away. So yeah, um, I think he might have been in the running to play Vankman. But there's a there's a lot of people who were going to be in this movie who weren't who weren't in this movie. Like Eddie Murphy, I think was rumored to be like offered the role of Winston, and like um, I think yeah. Jeff Goldblum was considered to play Egon. But then uh, Harold Ramis like grew so attached to it as they were writing it that he like kind of came out of like somewhat retirement because he hadn't really acted in a little while. So he's like, yeah, I'll do it. Why not? Which I'm kind of glad he did. I think I think Me it's, too. yeah. No one else could have done that as well yeah i think i agree um you you just mentioned winston uh of course let me pull up the actor's name because i cannot remember his name right now ernie hudson thank you yeah ernie hudson i always forget and i wrote down that sigourney weaver was underutilized i think ernie hudson is uh underutilized as well winston shows up kind of i guess what i'd call the second act of the of the movie yeah and he doesn't really do much after which is kind of a shame and then i was like looking up the actor's name originally on imdb mm-hmm. and the top casting for uh ghostbusters like does not include him in that list yeah and i have to go into the full list which is kind of crazy because he is essentially he essentially becomes the fourth ghostbuster so mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Could it, could it have been that maybe he like this was like his first big role, so maybe he didn't get like top billing. But also, then again, even Sigourney Weaver, I don't think even got like top billing with the three guys. Um, very true. Yeah, yeah very it's, true. It's, it's kind of odd because yeah, like Winston is a good character. He doesn't have a whole lot to do in the first one, but you know he has some good lines like the uh, um, if anyone asks if you're a god you say yes which is a classic yeah yeah um and you know they give him some stuff to do but i think i think mostly he's just kind of used as somewhat of a plot device to show that oh the ghostbusters have finally have work and now they're kind of run ragged and they need help yeah. so they get him um and here's the thing that's but, why I lo- that's why i love winston so much is he kind of grounds the team a little bit yeah like, for he's sure. the, he, he's what i would call the probably like the only normal one him, him yeah. and Janine, the receptionist, they're probably the only normal yeah, people yeah. in this movie. Winston's just like a blue-collar guy who needs a job. If there's a steady paycheck in it, he'll believe whatever you tell him, which a lot of employers would probably really love that. Very true. That's funny, too, by the way, when he's coming in for the job. And, uh, like, Janine's like, like, oh, he's here for the uh, for the job. I'm like, oh, perfect, you're hired. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. By the way, Janine, I, I, I love her. Yeah, Annie Potts. She's a she's a she's a work mood for sure. Reading a magazine. Janine, any calls? No. <laughs> any messages? No. Type something, will you? We're paying for this stuff. She's just reading a magazine. She has that great line like later in the movie when she's like, "I've quit uh, I've better quit jobs. Better than, jobs than yeah, better this. jobs than this." Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely a work mood for me. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, want to bring up some other stuff here? Uh. Well, let's, I mean, we're in the firehouse. We're talking about the, the firehouse right now, sort of. The Ecto-1, man. Like, Amazing. Any more iconic cars? Like, that's up there with, like, the Batmobile and, like, the um, the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Yeah. I would, I would say, that, like, you took the words right out of my mouth. I would say that those two cars are, like, 
the ones that could maybe kick it out of the top spot. My my heart is with the DeLorean. Sure. Uh, yeah. And I love the I love the Tim Burton Batmobile and the Ecto One. All three of those cars. You know what? It's a tie. All three of those cars are the coolest cars in movies like ever. Screw screw the General Lee, screw Kit from Knight Rider. Those are the ones. <laughs> Somehow I knew Kit would come come up in conversation. <laughs> uh I have to give it to DeLorean because I have a flux capacitor in my car. Not a real one. Dude. It's just a car charger, but it yeah, lights up. I'm a, I'm a huge Back to the Future fan. Back to the Future is my all-time favorite movie. I mean, we almost, we almost did Back to the Future as a podcast we, today. We did. Uh, we, I, I think I, I steered us closer towards um, Ghostbusters for a specific reason, which we'll get to towards the end of conversation, if yeah. that's all right. Sure. Some other notes here. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the opening library scene, which is, I think, one of the strongest scenes in the movie. I, I I don't know. I know it's kind of pegged as a comedy, Ghostbusters, but the way this movie kind of steers into a little bit of the horror, I think, is pretty awesome. And like, oh yeah, that's so reflect. That opening scene is like legit, almost a little scary. Yeah, with the with the creepy ooh theremin music and the the practical effect of the books the flying books, off the shelves man. and like floating over, it's so 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 good and the fact that the the librarian is like seeing all this stuff and then she turns the corner light flashes on her wind you never see what it is until later which yeah. is really really cool that that's okay perfect that the way it transitions is fucking fantastic yeah because it's so be, good. because it almost it's like the lens the the subject is that that um the librarian and it, like it makes us feel like we're walking along with her and like i don't know i, I i'm i'm afraid of the paranormal I'll, I'll admit it. I'm not afraid to, to say it. But yeah. You are afraid of no ghosts. I legit. But the books in particular is like such a creepy visual. Do you have any mm-hmm. insight on how they did that as a practical effect? Because I have no um, clue. I I don't remember off the top of my head, but I know that I think they used like fishing line or something. Because if you look at where the books go, like they don't perfect, like perfectly fall into a place. Like, like gotcha. there's no like line of books perfect amount for one book and then a bunch of other books they kind of fly into what could possibly be like an open space so but i think it's angled perfectly where it just looks like they fly right onto the shelf but they probably just keep going and there's probably like a good gap for the book to fit but it looks so good and they have like six or eight books going like at a time and like they're timed differently and oh it's so cool and they're almost flying like pretty straight and stiff which is i think adds Mm -hmm. to that creepiness factor because if they're like if they were like hanging a little bit and you can tell like it's on a, it's on a wire that has like some slack, you'd be able to tell like, oh, there's just like, it's just a, a wire effect. But the way yeah. they move like slowly and stiff, I don't know, there's something Kinda creepy about like it. looks like something's pulling them off the shelf. Yeah, exactly. And then you add that with the, um, the uh, cabinets flying open with uh, all the paper flying out and like kind of ramps up the yeah. tension there. Yeah, yeah, that's a really cool effect too. That one, I know how they did that one. They had um a bunch of um uh like they had like tubes with like air holes in them and they had all of the cards laid out so then they would just like like inject a bunch of air in and they would just come flying out it was really really cool i could i could never be a practical effect artist because i don't think i have like the creativity to come up with stuff like this that's it's always awesome to hear how uh, filmmakers do stuff like this yeah, it's 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 really cool when they go the extra mile. 
Uh, my next note that I wanted to bring up that I actually played earlier for uh, those over in post-production who will hear this in the actual show. Um, the Ray Parker Jr. Ghostbusters theme song, which I know we talked about the car being iconic. What a theme song. Am I right? Absolutely. It's it's It, it fits the movie so well. It's got that that kick in like bass line and it's it's so simple like he got the idea for it because of the um the like uh phone number on the ghostbusters commercial because they showed him some 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 bits of the movie and he's like okay who are you gonna who are you gonna call and so he made he made that the whole thing yeah for me it's very like quintessentially 80s like it, it feels almost like a little clubby it's got like the sense of it like the the keyboards that we think of when we think of a like neon 80s aesthetic that is like mm-hmm. you know eddie murphy's in his his music party all the time whatever but like ray, ray parker jr's song like fits that mold uh, just right. as much i think yeah yeah for real um and then i also you brought up earlier but the i think the uh the sedgwick hotel scene is also probably one of the strongest scenes in the movie. I think the, honestly the first 30 minutes of the, this movie are like legit actually pretty, pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. And then like it, the opening act culminating with like the Ghostbusters becoming the Ghostbusters by going to like their first actual assignment yeah. uh, and going to the hotel, I think is awesome. And I think you wrote it in your notes yeah. here, but I think this is when they get like their first actual call and they get excited and they like go down the, um the fire pole. And yeah, you wrote yeah. here that Bankman has his Chinese food with him. Yeah, they're eating Chinese food, and then they get the call, and Janine's like, we got one! And they're like, oh no, it's a call, we gotta go! And then Bankman grabs his, like, takeout box and just slides down the pole with it, which he has his priorities in order, and I respect that. It's the last of the petty cash. He wanted to take out uh, Dana, Dana with the money, but they they had some Chinese food instead. It was the last of it. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Ray for <laughs> going with the plan and... and um opening up a triple mortgage on his house which is like it's insane dude i felt that kicked out of university oh hey uh what are we gonna do we're gonna go into business for ourselves where are we gonna get the money i don't know and then because they made him do it the next the next scene they're coming out of the bank and peter specifically holds the door open for ray because he knows he's super worried and peter's kind of getting what he wants so he's like oh let me be nice in this one instance i'm i'm glad it it's working out for Ray because I I'd be devastated if like n- they never got a call. Uh, yeah. Well, then I mean, to to probably make extra money, that's probably why you opened that occult bookstore. Is this a thing? By in, the way, yeah. In, Ghost- I'm gonna say in Ghostbusters Two, he has a bookstore. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah. Ghostbusters Two, I've never seen. I I recommend it. It's it's not as good as the first one, obviously. But it's enjoyable. I like it. It's it's you know it's a little bit more of a walk on some of the things, but it's it's more of those characters being those characters, and it's not like awful. Sure, it's it's fun. And like they get cool like uh, dark jumpsuits in that one, so that's pretty cool. Oh, that does sound cool. The the thing is, and I've heard conversation about Ghostbusters too, is that if you didn't grow up with like strongest like if you have strong nostalgia for ghostbusters one then you probably mm-hmm. watch ghostbusters two and enjoyed it otherwise yeah. if like if you missed it then it i feel like everyone says to like skip it you probably would not like it but i'm not sure what yeah i can i can see either side of that like you know like if you're like oh i love ghostbusters then you're probably one of those people already who is like yeah i like ghostbusters too 
But if you're a person who saw Ghostbusters recently and you're like, I like Ghostbusters, then you watch Ghostbusters 2, you'd probably be like, yeah, that wasn't that good. Gotcha. And that's what I'm afraid of, but maybe one day I'll... I'll, I'll maybe, I think you'll like it. Yeah, okay, okay. But my last notes on kind of the, the Sedgwick Hotel is we get the uh, the iconic line of um, of uh, e- Egon saying, don't cross the streams, which he totally forgot to like not mention at all until like they actually start using the proton packs. Which is it like, after they've been like shooting blasts all over the hotel. Yeah, which is awesome. Uh, but then, of course, <laughs> we have Slimer as well, who's like one of the most iconic uh, ghosts in the Ghostbusters universe. Yep. Dan Aykroyd refers to him as the ghost of John Belushi really yeah because he's just like a party guy who's looking to have a good time that's that's awesome I yeah did, i mean you know, i love all like the little i guess not lore but little um trivia you're giving me this episode that's actually pretty fun to yeah. another like another fun fact about slimer when they were making the movie the, everyone called him uh onion head because of like the puppet smelled really really bad um and then the fans were actually Ugh. the ones who gave him the name slimer and then they adopted that retroactively why did they name him Slimer? Is it just because of all the uh, ectoplasmic residue he lives behind? Probably, yeah, probably just because he slimed every, he slimed yeah. everybody. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Nickelodeon guy. <laughs> Some more notes here before we uh, wrap up the conversation is, uh, of course, the most famous scene of the movie, I think, is Ray dreaming of getting head by a ghost, which is objectively epic. I found out recently that that was part so if you notice uh in the the moment where that's happening ray is wearing like a captain crunch style like jacket like like uh like admiral or something jacket and i never noticed that before and apparently that was from a deleted scene where ray and winston went to like some castle or something and they were investigating some ghost sighting there and then they like fell asleep and that happened but in the editing of the actual movie i think they just kind of edited it where it's like that happens to ray and then it cuts to him rolling out of his bed in the firehouse so i think it kind of implied that it was a dream uh but also funny funny story about that so i went last year to a local drive-in theater and they were showing ghostbusters and i went with three friends and i was the only one in the car who had seen ghostbusters before really what was that like so everybody loved it, which was great because I was kind of worried. I was like, ah, I don't know if some of these people will like the movie, but they're like, we're down to see it. They loved it. They thought it was really good. And I specifically did not mention that yeah, moment with yeah. Ray and the ghost. And they, they were watching it. They're like, wait, what? What did that, What's happening? And I was just laughing my head off in the back of the car because I knew it was coming. No pun intended. And it was, <laughs> it was so funny. like just seeing everybody's reactions to that part is the greatest 80s man when pg meant something else entirely yeah before pg-13 existed yeah exactly exactly yeah temple of doom yeah oh yeah here we go here we go um that's amazing dude Oh, I didn't know that there was a whole uh, castle segment that i guess the yeah i found out about that like maybe like two or three days ago i had no idea that actually sounds pretty cool. Like that actually piques my yeah. interest. I would I would have loved to seen to seen that yeah, sequence same. go down. Um, and then of course we haven't talked about Zool at all. Um, the the whole I think uh, Zool and uh, the whole 
uh, Keymaster with uh, Dana and um, and Lewis, I think, is like a nice, a pretty funny payoff. I think of yeah. him like actually getting a kiss because you uh, Lewis absolutely has a crush on Dana, obviously. So oh, yeah. to get 100%. that, and, yeah, yeah, Lewis it's, is king of the simps, dude, and respect. Is Lewis a beta? I yeah, I would I would say so. His he's like making real good money, but he's like real passive and like never really gets upset about anything. Like hangs out yeah, by the keyhole I, of his apartment waiting for Dana to walk by. Yeah, that's so weird. Even when there's a raging party going on, he's like, I I think Dana's outside. I like to Dude. think that every five minutes he just opens the door and there's nobody there, and he's like, all right, I'll try again in a couple of minutes, and he shuts the door again. He's got to hear the elevator because he's right next to it. It must be. Yeah. And then but cool. yeah, the 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 whole keymaster and gatekeeper thing, like that's another one of those things that's like kind of problematic because like they they kiss and then they do more, which you never see. Because I don't know if you know this, keys unlock gates sometimes. Yes. Oh so, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And there's the line at the end where he goes, "Dana, did did we no, Lewis?" <laughs> and then locks off so you know it's interesting it's, it's so strange <laughs> it's I, such a weird choice it makes I, sense but it's weird i totally read it as like they didn't do that but now that you mention mm. it that that could be like dana almost like denying it for her own sake and reading it that way that's interesting well, that's something i hadn't thought of plus, before like they they kiss and then they go upstairs and then the next time we see them like lewis is like laid out on like this slab up up like on the top of the building and dana's up there too and she's looking like she's moving like all seductively and stuff so i think something happened yeah hmm much to think about maybe my head can yeah. is going to change now no next time and i watch it i'll think dogs. about this and they become dogs that's very true and then Go- gozer comes to attack new york city but not just gozer the uh the stay puffed marshmallow man which is also when i think of ghostbusters i specifically think of the uh the marshmallow man yeah it's it's one of the first things that comes to mind like and and that's probably why they keep using it for like advertising purposes like that's probably why the mini puffs are in afterlife just because there's that recognizable branding in there like you think of the when you think of ghostbusters you think of the no ghost logo you probably think of the car and then you think of the stay puff marshmallow man absolutely you you mentioned it now. One of my questions, one of my final questions that I had here for us is uh, what your what your expectations were for Ghostbusters Afterlife because I think I'm kind of excited for it. I'm I mean I'm a big Ghostbusters fan, so I would be remiss if I didn't say that I'm excited for Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's yeah. being directed by the son of the original director, Jason Reitman, right? Yeah, and I think that's a good sign. Uh, plus, Ivan Reitman was on the set with his son all the time, giving him notes while they made the movie. Um, and the fact that it has the original cast back as their original characters, there's another Ghostbusters movie that has the original cast, but, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that one right now, but, um, I, the, the trailers that I've seen, it looks like they've taken so much care and, yeah. uh, like they've hired a bunch of people who love Ghostbusters to be a part of it. And it, it, and also the, the fact that the trailers have refrained from playing the Ghostbusters theme really makes me think that it's going to be something different and something special because they're not yes. like relying on the, oh, hey, this is something you've seen before besides like the Ecto, obviously, but that's something you have to have. Um, I I think Jason Reitman is going to knock it out of the park. I could be wrong, but as of right now, I think I think he's going to do something really, really, really special with it. This and is... I'm excited to check it out. 
Yeah, exactly. Every reason you listed is why I'm kind of excited for this one is that it feels like it's it's a revisit, right? So there you get like the little nostalgia of the Ecto one, kind of similar to like seeing the Millennium Falcon and the first time we saw the trailer of um shoot episode Force Awakens. seven, Force Awakens, thank you. And um so you get that nostalgia factor, but it's almost like a different tone. Like it like the mm-hmm. you can tell like the like we know you grew up with these movies and now these movies are kind of growing up with you a little bit right yeah it's still going to be uh, comedic in some ways but in like many respects it might be um a little dramatic which i think can be really exciting for like old franchises like when they come back to be a little bit dramatic i think that's always pretty cool to see yeah and it's it's just a much different approach to like i think you kind of alluded to the uh the 2016 ghostbusters yeah um and i i think the i think the new one is also probably going to be a little bit sad because it's you know, we we lost our Egon, and yeah. his his family is in the like the main characters of the movie, his his daughter and his grandchildren, and they're dealing with what happens after he left our plane of existence. So there's shots in the trailer where like you'll see like a lamp hanging off of a wall, and it's like turning, and like somebody is like looking, like Egon's daughter is looking that direction. So I don't know if that's Egon from Beyond the Grave trying to communicate with his family. Right. But if it is, that's really cool. If it is, I hope we don't see him. Uh, because I don't want I don't know, I don't want there to be a visual depiction of Egon in the movie. If there sure. is, like I won't be like upset, but it's just I don't want them to like go super uncanny valley with his appearance or anything like that. Yeah, I think there's like respectful way to, ways to do it. Like if they even mm-hmm. just like I don't know, uh, superimpose like a shot of him from like Ghostbusters one or two, and kind of like made it look like if that's him in the in the moment, you know what I mean? Like his ghost is mm-hmm. representative of like that age when he was in Ghostbusters one. Like that might be a way to do it. But yeah, you're right. Where if it's just like a total CGI representation of of Harold Ramis, that might be a little a little too much for my taste. But who knows? Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, I, I I think it was Steve Zaragoza was on a uh, interview with Greg Miller and they were talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife. And I think Steve pitched a version where I could see that probably being the best case scenario where like something happens and like his daughter is like possessed or something like that. I think her and Paul Rudd are going to be the next gatekeeper and keymaster, by the way, but that's a Ooh, different conversation. Interesting. But, um, they were saying like something happens to her. And then, like, she wakes up, and they're, she's like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. And they're like, did you see Egon? And she's like, I did, and it was good to see him. But we never see him. I think that would be a good way to do it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Ghostbusters Afterlife comes out November 11th, so we won't be waiting too long now to see it. Which Isn't is, it November uh... 19th now? It just got delayed another week. Like, not too long ago. Oh, did it get... It's been so hard to keep track of release dates in 2021. Yeah, well, I mean, they've been changing stuff around because I think, uh, I think Sony switched Ghostbusters to the nineteenth because I think Paramount just changed a bunch of their stuff, and I think now yep. Ghostbusters Afterlife is taking Top Gun Maverick's original you're, spot. Abs- you're absolutely right. Yep, I just found the article that got pushed back to November nineteenth. I have to wait another week. But it's Not too much it. longer, though. Yeah. Yeah. Same day as a uh, Battlefield 2042. All right. Didn't, didn't Battlefield just get delayed too? Yeah, it got delayed to November 19th, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So there we have it. Any any final thoughts here on Ghostbusters uh, 1984? 
it's 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 one of my all time favorites. Like I'm a I'm a I'm I'm real deep into big pop culture, like 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 things with big pop cultural impact. And Ghostbusters is definitely one of them. I'm a big fan of stuff from the '80s. You know, like all the like the music and like movies and stuff. And Ghostbusters is one of those ones that shines through with both of those. It has a really great soundtrack. It has very very yeah. very funny people and it's just an overall good movie i i think it's gonna keep enduring through the test of time obviously there's a couple of things that don't necessarily hold up with sure you know how we've kind of evolved as a society with things that are more acceptable and stuff but i think and the fans are a big part of that like Ghostbusters fans are some of the most passionate fans I've ever seen. They've re reverse engineered the proton packs. You can go anywhere and figure out how to build one. You can figure out how to take a spirit Halloween proton pack and modify it and buy parts. So it will look more screen accurate. That's awesome. Uh, they have guides on how to make all the jumpsuits. Tons of people make the cars. They're some of the best fans ever. And they're usually not very toxic unless you talk about Ghostbusters 2016, but Again, not Fair. not this podcast, but yeah. yeah. In in closing, Ghostbusters is it has a very special place in my heart. I think it's always going to have that, and whatever comes after that, I think is just extra. And it's it's all good, and if it's not good, it's still all good because Ghostbusters <laughs> is one of those things where you can make cartoons, you can make T-shirts, you can make uh, toys, you can make anything you need to, and people will like it. And there's something, there's a part of it that there's something for everybody. And yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. Hopefully I didn't come across too negative. You know, it's not, oh, no. it, it's not my favorite movie. And I think that's just going to come down to a matter of taste, but you know, I, I certainly have my criticisms with it. I, I still don't think the characters are, are I, like very dynamic for like what I like in my movies. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I want more from the side characters, um, but at the end of the day, you are right. There are, there are a lot of things to love with this franchise. And even if you don't enjoy every single property of Ghostbusters, I'm thinking like, of course, 2016, even whether or not you fall on like GB2 is good or not, I think is a separate like question. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think we can all agree that Ghostbusters like has like a very prominent place in pop culture. The original movie, there's like lots of things to love about it. Mm hmm. And it's like, I would say probably a well-made movie, even though, you know, whether or not you think it holds up or not, like to your tastes or, or your subjective preferences, you know, I think we can all agree that it's still pretty well-made and kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, it, especially for the time it was made in. Yeah, exa exactly. And I'm, I'm honestly like really excited to see where the franchise is going to go if uh, the new one if afterlife has any like if it's successful and if they decide to do more things with the franchise i think there's like a, a big potential for it to do some interesting stuff so i'm I'm very excited for it yeah me too aaron we're, we're coming up on the reviews section here i i asked for the first time for kind of like listener reviews of not just ghostbusters one but more broadly the franchise altogether we've got a few responses here Eric Ginn writes in, uh, Ghostbusters is one of the best movies ever made. Ghostbusters 2 and 2016 are fine. How do you feel about that? 
Uh, I agree. Uh, you know, like I going into Ghostbusters 2016, I was very like kind of poo poo on it. Um, it's not my favorite. It was, however, a lot better than I thought it was going to be. But that being yes. said, it doesn't it does not hold a candle to the original, in my opinion. If you like it, that's too that's super cool. Not taking anything away from you. Just, you know, personal preference. I agree. I, I didn't like the movie, but I ended up I still enjoyed my time at the theater, if that makes sense. Yeah, the Ghostbuster gadgets in that movie are awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next, Aaron Cini from Speaking of Stadia writes, uh, a great franchise, and if you grew up not liking two, it means you are not in the right age demographic, and the internet told you to hate it, which could be the case for me. I don't know. I really Maybe. don't know. Maybe. Uh, Ethan Brandon writes in saying, uh, Ghostbusters is a franchise with one good movie. Valid statement. Which you is, know, yeah. if you didn't like the other two, you know, that's it. that he's speaking his truth, and we stand a truth teller. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Ethan. Uh, the next comes from Rich Dolphus, who writes, uh, I love me some Ghostbusters. Awesome. Couldn't have said it better myself. Hugo, which I think uh, I align closer to in opinions, uh, mm-hmm. writes, I do not get it. I watched the movie and it was fun enough, but I don't, under- I don't understand how it became this big. It was the 80s, you know, man. Yeah, I, I I understand what Hugo's saying. Like, you know, you watch you watch a movie like this and you're like, okay, yeah. That, yeah, that was cool, but like, why do why do people like this so much? Why did it blow up? It's because it's got a cool car in it and a bunch of stuff that you can turn into toys. Bill Murray says in the movie, the franchising rights alone will make us rich beyond our wildest dreams. Oh, he does. And they say kind this. of sat and ran with it. I almost forgot to bring up how schemy Venkman is. Like, he reminds me of Ed from Ed and Eddie. Yeah, he's real. He's yeah. real schemy. And our last review comes from friend of the show, Mike Schwartz, who writes in, question for for you, I think. I always wondered why the animated show was called The Real Ghostbusters. I think that has to do with, uh, so this also kind of goes with the movie itself, where the the movie Ghostbusters was originally not going to be called Ghostbusters. It was going to be called Ghost Smashers, uh, like, ghost chasers they had all these different versions and you can find these online they have like alternate takes where the guys are doing the ghostbusters commercial and they say different names that is because there was a ghostbusters show it was called the ghostbusters it was in like 76 i think and they also had a cartoon where it was a couple of guys and they had a gorilla and they would go around and solve crimes and also like catch ghosts it was kind of like scooby-doo and they wanted to use the name Ghostbusters, but they needed to get the rights to that name. So they ended up getting it, and the rest is history, obviously. But I think they're, they called the cartoon the real Ghostbusters because they wanted to show that these are the real Ghostbusters. They're not that other cartoon show with the monkey. They're gotcha. the real Ghostbusters. Also, there's an episode of the real Ghostbusters where they see the Ghostbusters movie. And I think that they're like, oh, those guys didn't look anything like us. That's awesome. Yeah. I never I never watched any of the show, but like that's cool. I it's like on it. YouTube, yeah. you can watch it. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Maybe the Ghostbusters maybe... YouTube page, I think, posts episodes like every Saturday. That's awesome. Well maybe, yeah, I'll, check, really maybe cool. I'll check that out. Yeah, nice. Normally we have letterbox reviews, but I didn't do any today. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in one for us though. This comes from Aaron, who gives the movie three and a half stars and a heart and writes, Be honest, how fucked is it to be horny for the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man? 
Aaron, it's a little fucked up, but I get it. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Especially that he's a uh, Sumerian god stomping on churches and taxi cabs in New York. But, uh, you know, he's cute. Oh, to be stomped by a Sumerian god in the middle of New York City. He stomp on me. <laughs> Aaron and folks, we hope you enjoyed today's episode of Large Popcorn. Remember to give us a, a sub to stay up to date with all our cinema thoughts here on the show. Aaron, I want to thank you for coming on today. It's a blast talking about Ghostbusters and getting to hear some trivia that I had no idea about. It's always it's always a fun time. And yeah, thanks for having me, man. I, I I'm uh, I had a great time. Uh, we should do this again sometime. Absolutely. Maybe for GB Afterlife. We'll see. Ooh. We'll see. We'll see. Until then, Aaron, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at AaronRoots427. Uh, I'm on YouTube. Find my name through Twitter. Copy and paste it because I know you're not going to be able to spell my last name. Look it up on YouTube. Uh, I am I make videos on YouTube. Uh, I also have another YouTube channel that I make videos with my friends. It is called Secret Horses Productions. It is wacky stuff. It is funny stuff. It is stupid stuff, but I think you're going to like it. Nice, folks. You can find all those links down in the show notes. I'll get those pasted in for you. Until next time, we hope you enjoyed the show. Long live Chloe Zhao. And Denis, we trust. And don't cross the streams. And Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs>